the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good Wednesday morning and welcome into the Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 FM, The Answer. I'm coming to you live from Studio 4 here in Columbus. I'm Jack Windsor, by the way, Editor-in-Chief of the Ohio Press Network. You can read our stuff at theohiopressnetwork.com. And uh, I want to kick off by thanking our friends at the Alpha Beta Report. You can find them at alphabetareport.com. If you want to know about markets and trading and you want to understand cryptocurrency, go to the Alpha Beta Report, alphabetareport.com. You'll also learn how to turn your side hustle or a small sum of money into a towering asset with the education and development that you'll get there. When you get to their website, you'll see my picture. There's a a green icon. Go ahead and click on that. Type in Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R, and the guys there will give you a discount on the learning uh, that you'll engage in. So thank you to the Alpha Beta Report, and uh, it's a fitting segue to what we're going to talk about with our first guest today. Uh, he's a friend of the show. He's Dr. Glenn Dewar, Chair of History and Government at Cedarville University, also a professor of international studies. Dr. Dewar, welcome back to the Bruce Woolley Show. How are you this morning, sir? I'm great. Yourself? Super fantastic, all things considered. My voice is a little froggy today, so I do apologize for that. But uh, I'm excited to have you. Um, you know, we we're I was kind of kicking ideas around what we could talk about today. There's so much obviously, on the international stage. But we're going to shift into a gear that we've never talked about. And uh, that is uh, involving a central bank digital currency, particularly in the EU. Um, But before we get started there, if you don't mind, um, explain to our listeners the the composition of the EU and, and EU lawmaking first. Because, you know, some folks might have taken history before 1993. So let's start there, and then we'll get into their their march toward a CBDC or a central bank digital currency. Absolutely. So if we go back to World War II and we think through Europeans fighting Europeans and a second world war uh, and the depths of the brutality of things like the Blitz or the conflict. I think about my grandparents who lived through that, fought in it, were involved, heavily wrapped up, and they were just deep, deep problems. And so out of the late 1940s into the 1950s, a lot of people said in Europe, you know, how do we avoid a third world war, potentially one with nuclear weapons? And what they did is they created the European Coal and Steel Community in 1952. And that served as the genesis to what is now the European Union today. And what it did is it slowly pooled areas of the economy, like coal and steel, but then it moved into agriculture, fisheries, and then free trade. And that developed and developed and developed. And as you referenced, 1993 was the kickoff uh, following the 
Maastricht Treaty in 1992 of a European Union, not a United States of Europe, but a, I guess, a closer union between those countries. And from those initial six members, it grew to 28, uh, especially quickly after the fall of the Berlin Wall and a lot of the ex-communist countries democratized and adopted free market principles. And then we saw the shrinkage of the EU down to 27 following Brexit. And so there are 27 members uh, pooling a lot of different areas, although national sovereignty theoretically is still above that. In particular, one area of policy that has grown is monetary policy, that is the currency, the euro, which was unveiled in 1999 parallel to the national currencies, but then took over in 2002. And the initial 11 members of that union, have now, it's now grown to 20. And so there are 20 of the 27 EU members that use the euro. So <clears throat> I have talked with John Patton is a friend over at, uh, at uh, Alpha Beta Report. We've been talking about this investigation in the United States into a central bank digital currency. And he's done a really good job of kind of teasing out the difference between a digital currency and uh, the anonymity in that versus a central bank digital currency. Um, it appears that they've had some fiery public hearings um, involving EU lawmakers and folks pushing for a central bank digital currency there. What can you tell us about that and maybe some of the concerns that they're unearthing as they're having this discussion? It's it's a huge debate because the initial development of the euro, as I noted in 99, really played out in 2002, was to make it more efficient. So you could travel from one country to another and use the same currency, no longer uh, uh, changing currencies every time you cross the border. And so on the one hand, uh, that's led to significant efficiencies. And then uh, we've also seen the development in a lot of Eastern European countries of uh, developing digitally much more quickly as a means of trying to adopt the free market and to make improvements. And so that discussion has been driven as well. But it's really caused a lot of tension because there are People in some countries of the European Union that really like the cash system, like its anonymity, uh, prefer to use it. But the digital currency is also being discussed in great deal detail. And so it's currently on the track of moving forward and has been since November of 2023. But as you mentioned, there's just a very, very fiery debate because there are deep pros and cons and moving forward in such a manner, the other aspect of it is it could push towards a political union, the United States of Europe, which I think most people in Europe do not want, even though there are some in the European Parliament that are looking at it that way. So the digital currency discussion has this added element in Europe. And we've also seen some digital currencies elsewhere in the world. China has one, for example. Sweden is another one, and as you noted, we're having more and more discussions in the United States about such a thing as well. Yes, and lawmakers there are really grappling with, I think, a couple of key, maybe a few key issues. Uh, one, you said that the EU has made things, or excuse me, the euro has made things fairly efficient, and so that is one of the arguments. Things are payments are already pretty efficient, um, and then there's this issue of citizens' privacy. Will it be 
preserved. But then the big deal is whether it could be used to expand state control. And I think what I'm hearing you say is that if and when, it appears to me it's going to be when and how uh, the euro goes to a CBDC, that will influence then America. Do you see that kind of be being the tail wagging the dog in the United States saying, well, our partners over there are doing it, so it's inevitable that we have to? It's certainly possible, and the the privacy question revolves around the European Central Bank and just what types of information are stored. There are also uh, issues of protection, money laundering, human trafficking, uh, big questions, deep questions that run with that. Um, there's part of me that thinks that the digital currency could be stifled in Europe simply because a lot of Germans really like cash. And Germany remains the biggest player in the EU and a driver to it. Uh, But it's entirely possible that the digital currency could roll out alongside the existing fiat currency. And that's one way it would move forward. And certainly in that type of a situation, there'd be a number of people in the U.S. that would say, "Okay, it's happening in Europe. It's happening elsewhere in the world. We're behind. We need to adopt it as well. And so certainly that logic could flow, although... Uh, the American people generally um, uh, are, are deeply, deeply passionate about their liberty and not following others. So it could be something that's blocked here, even if it does uh, roll out in the European Union. So let me – and this this may be my last question for you today. Um, and this has been a great in-depth conversation in understanding the EU and the euro. I think the concern that I have – I'm just giving you my opinion – is if we were to roll out a central bank digital currency here in America, and let's say that it was riding sidecar with cash, I believe that ultimately the government would say, well, you know what? We're going to give you an incentive to turn in that cash. We'll give you $2 for every dollar you turn in. And then ultimately it would come down to pennies on the dollar, and then eventually it would be a crime to hold that cash. Have you seen anything like that uh, on the global stage where countries are, are really citizens are captured by the CBDC and controlled by the government? The major one is China, and it gets back to the Chinese Communist Party controlling their central bank and then having just a plethora of information about how uh, citizens interact. And then they've also rolled out social credit scores, which is really deeply concerning because the Chinese Communist Party then gets to dictate what's good behavior, what's bad behavior, and then has the ability to use carrots and sticks as a result. So it can be deeply authoritarian and problematic. In reality, in uh, the European Union, it's probably going to operate a lot more like Sweden uh, with its currency, even though Sweden isn't about EU 15 member, seconds, it is doctor. Part of the Eurozone. But at the same time, uh, it, it relies on a massive amount of trust of government, and it is a centralization of information as well that has deep dangers if it's used incorrectly. Welcome back into The Bruce Woolley Show. I'm Jack Windsor, Editor-in-Chief of The Ohio Press Network. You can read our stuff at theohiopressnetwork.com. I want to tell you about the Legacy on Possum Run. 
This is a busy time of year where many couples get uh, during which many couples get engaged, uh, maybe over Christmas or New Year's. And uh, the first thing you have to do is find a venue. Well, I want to tell you about ours. Uh, the Legacy on Possum Run, you can find it at thelegacyonpossumrun.com. When you get there, you'll have the opportunity to sign up for a free vendor open house on January 27th. Uh, a handful of preferred vendors will be there. But most importantly, you can come for free and see the three beautifully unique spaces that comprise the 20,000-square-foot venue. And then you'll understand why Ohioans from Cleveland to Columbus to Cincinnati are raving about the Legacy on Possum Run. And when you go to the website... The pricing is there, photos are there, the calendar's there so that you can see what dates are available in 2024 and 2025. Plus, you'll get to see some pictures from the supply closet. That's the stuff that you get for free when you book the venue. Things like runners and centerpieces and arches, all the stuff that you would spend hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars on for your special day, they've got your back. So get over to the Legacy on Possum Run at thelegacyonpossumrun.com. Your legacy begins here. Special thank you to Dr. Glenn Dewar, Chair of History and Government at Cedarville University, also Professor of International Studies, and his astute observation of the goings-on in uh, the European Union and the push there for a central bank digital currency. Now, one of the questions I didn't get to ask Dr. Dewar, and maybe I'll talk with him next week about it. He'll be here uh, every week um, for the foreseeable future to talk about international events and uh, things that are important to our political environment here in America. But one of the things I would have asked and would have loved to have asked about is uh, it's a book called the creature of Jekyll Island. Now, if you ever Google that, or I try not to use Google anymore, I use brave browser um, because you know, Google's part of that um, big tech group of people who like to make sure that they elevate certain types of information, but suppress other types of information. Essentially they're going to give you um, the program, right? They're going to, they're going to help you think what they want you to think. Um, But I digress. When you, when you type in the creature of, of Jekyll Island, you'll notice that the daily beast wrote an article about it. So that's my first clue. If the daily beast is writing about this, um, you know there's something to it. Uh, the Daily Beast is a, is a far-left, um, I don't know, digital publication that often goes after Republicans and conservative ideals. Uh, but The Creature of Jekyll Island is an interesting book that talks about the creation of the Federal Reserve System here in the United States. And I would love to talk with Dr. Dewar, and maybe we'll talk to John Patton next time he's on. He's the guy over at... Um, Alpha Beta Report. He's an expert on crypto. To talk to these guys about the Federal Reserve System potentially being the uh, person or the group behind the curtain pulling the levers, trying to orchestrate the creation and installation of a central bank digital currency. Um, Digital currency or cryptocurrency creates a lot of anonymity. Uh, Things can't be tracked. And, uh, you know, the argument that I think you heard from Dr. Dewar is one of substance, right? It's like, well, how do you stop money laundering? How do you stop human trafficking? Um, and, and how do you stop other crimes with money? Well, probably the same way you do with cash. But that's going to be the uh, path through which they try to 
walk this into our lives, right? Um, making sure that there is um, a microscope over these potential illegal transactions so that these bad, nefarious actors can be brought to justice. But we'll hear things like, uh, hey, it's going to create an easy payment system. It's going to create faster payments. It's going to create more security. Um, it might even help banks have a lower reserve and, and, and eliminate some bureaucracy and documentation or red tape at banks. But I think what it does is it gives the Federal Reserve and the central bank an excuse to be more involved in our lives because I think that the opportunity now is for those institutions and that mechanism to really be kind of cast by the wayside. And um, so I think that this is one of the power grabs of a central bank or in the United States, the Federal Reserve, to try to control and try to manipulate. So we're going to talk about that a lot in 2024 because we have a presidential election. We have a U.S. Senate race. And this is one of the issues that we need to pay attention to. Where do candidates stand on a central bank digital currency? Um, Because you don't have to go very far down the path to have a legitimate concern about how that type of monitoring and observation and ultimately control in the hands of a wrong or nefarious group of people could happen. I mean, we just lived through COVID. We just saw um, how fear drummed up and um, put on repeat with the mainstream press caused a lot of people to surrender. Uh, Many of the liberties that Dr. Glenn Dewar in that last segment said, well, it might be hard for the central bank digital currency to have the type of manipulative power that it does um, in the Communist Party of China, where the bank controls everything because they have this social credit score. But I just go back to the type of control that governors had, <laughs> that that um, what we would call public health had over our lives, shutting down certain businesses that they deemed to be non-essential, locking our kids out of schools, um, and the horrendous impact that had on their education uptake and socialization and learning. And, and worse, ultimately, it will have um, – a short uh, shortening of uh, livelihood um, that's been traced that's been reported on so uh, really really big issue and that might be uh, one of the things that we need to start asking all of our U.S. Senate candidates who will be on the show in the days and weeks ahead I'm talking about Bernie Marino I'm talking about Matt Dolan talking about Frank LaRose uh, where do you stand with this central bank digital currency issue Uh, All right. Up next, I will be joined by Mahek Cook. She's going to talk about the American dream, uh, maybe through the lens of Speaker uh, of the United States House and thoughts on the presidential primary up in New Hampshire. So stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.